I think I've only seen you on stage once in a Steppenwolf production, and it was Balm and Gilead in New York City 35 years ago or whatever it was. So it's great to see you again. You look terrific. Oh, God bless. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 870, Steppenwolf's Jeff Perry. Steppenwolf Theatre Company ensemble member and co-founder Jeff Perry returns to Chicago to star in Harold Pinter's No Man's Land, directed by Les Waters and running through August 20th, 2023. Originally, the plan was for Jeff to star with his longtime colleague and fellow Steppenwolf ensemble member Austin Pendleton, but Austin had to leave the production for personal reasons. Jeff and I talked about that change, but first we talked about how this current production continues traditions begun at Steppenwolf decades ago, including John Malkovich's landmark production of Lanford Wilson's Balm and Gilead back in the early 80s. Yeah, so you saw me a hundred years ago in Palm and Gilead in New York or Chicago? In New York. I was living there. I just graduated. No, I was still in grad school, I think, then. It was a transformative production in so many ways, but uh, what was lovely is that that sense of ensemble that Steppenwolf is so known for was so prevalent about how how the cast was able to take focus and, more importantly, throw focus to... It hit their fellow, your fellow members, cast members. Yeah, man. Um, that play was and still epitomizes the delirious happiness of people who kind of most love communal tomfoolery. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and so. It was the most Cirque du Soleil mm, challenge we had ever had. It has about 24 characters. Yeah. Lanford Wilson wrote a degree of fun slash difficulty into it. Yeah. So that at many times in the proceedings, you've got both triple and sometimes quadruple actions and dialogues going on at the same time yeah so you have a one ring two ring three ring, or four ring circus at any time and and you know at different times and to learn to uh what do you call it man uh to learn to modulate mm. that many stories so that for whatever 10 seconds or 40 seconds or this or that, so that you've all, all 24 of you or so are in agreement of which story has primary, secondary, tertiary, you know, importance mm-hmm. in volume, in focus, and in all of that. And to pick up cues from 40 feet away. Yeah. When you're listening to sometimes 10 to 20 voices going at once, 
it was a blast. It was like, okay, this is the triple um, University of Chicago triple doctorate in advanced theater physics. Man, we got we got a kick out of it. Lanford has a beautiful thing in the published version. He describes different characters. He describes the milieu. He describes the 24-hour diner. He, In a way, he's describing, hey, man, this is months from my life when I sat observing and when I sat with my little notebook. Yeah. And this was a certain part of the middle Upper East Side in 1960, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And he has this, Austin, he has this beautiful phrase as he, after he describes, you know, for a couple pages, the such things. And I think it's like a summation phrase. He, it's like, he goes, here's what I'm trying to say. These are losers who refuse to lose. Ah, beautiful. And we never found a motto more aspirational. Yeah. Or more, um, you know, it cracked us up. It broke our hearts. It felt like, Lanford, you described our theater company. Losers who refuse to lose. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it feels like it's been a minute since you've, been, you've performed on the Steppenwolf stage. Here in Chicago, what what was it that made you want to return in this play in Harold Pinter's No Man's Land? In 1975, on a family vacation, I saw uh, John Gielgud and Ralph Richardson and Michael Kitchen and Terrence Rigby originate hmm. this story under Peter Hall, Peter Hall's direction. A few months later, Austin Pendleton saw the exact same artists right having moved to new york mm. that is the londoners right. had all moved to the new york that austin already lived in for decades um each in our own way had this thing in our hearts since then in different ways right forget about it it would come back it'd be interesting Austin and I would look for plays. We circled around Edward Albee's A Delicate Balance for a bit of, oh, there's two parts in there we could play. Yeah. We're we're um, about 15 years apart. I'm 68. He's 83. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can play two old folks, you know. And uh, we played, we played uh, he as Vanya, me as Astrov under Sheldon Patinkin's direction 20 years ago in the Steppenwolf upstairs. Right. Um, and Randy Reed was in it and Bob Brewer was in it and uh, Sally Murphy and da, 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 da. And, and Austin's always been a, a inspiration to me. He's like, he epitomizes something too that I felt real early about the joy of the people I grew to love at university and Gary at high school and and in the first you know um just people I I loved and even people in tv and film and great artists I, I I've loved when memorized text versus literal improvised work you know 
feels like it's improvised. Yep. And Austin has a jazz soul. Mm. And that's how he works. Yeah. So I've always gotten a big kick out of that. And you can tell from my friendships or who people who I uh, said, can I please be around you? I met John Malkovich and Moira Harris, among other amazing humans. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm about 19 and it's a theater department of Illinois State University. And they're in a production of Harold Pinter's one act, The Lover. And to this day, it kind of re resounds for me as, hmm, I've read this play, so I know you're saying the lines in the order. Yeah. That, that Harold Pinner wrote them. But if I hadn't read the play, I would be ridiculously captivated by the fact that it seems like you are an ongoing car wreck, the both of you. Yeah. I have no idea where you're headed. Mm -hmm. um, it was electrifyingly improvisational. And, and I think it's because, you know, Malkovich and Moira, especially at that age, were literally crazier than the rest of my theater obsessed pals, you know, right. a crazy bunch to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So that too epitomized something that kind of as it was epitomized by Austin. Anyway, all of those different strains, if it makes sense, Austin, um, uh, Austin brought me to Chicago right now yeah. in this play. Yeah, it's interesting. Even though you and Austin are old f***s in your words, you want you're you're returning to an energy that you that first took took a hold of you, whatever it was, forty five years ago. It's true, and I must say, man, when I saw Gail Good and Richardson, I think I'm nineteen or twenty at the most, and you can imagine that age point of view. Yeah, looking. At I think they were in their late seventies um, somewhere. And as I was watching them and I thought in, I thought, well, not only are they astounding, but does that mean I could do this as long as I can breathe, stand and remember lines? Yeah. And I thought, I think that's what it means. And it makes me very happy. This is John Mayer, author of Steppenwolf Theatre Company of Chicago, in their own words. And you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? This fall of 2023, we'll be performing the complete history of comedy abridged and the ultimate Christmas show abridged around the country. Check out the touring page on our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information.
Now back to my conversation with Jeff Perry, who stars in Harold Pinter's No Man's Land at Chicago's Steppenwolf Theater through August 20th. You read Pinter and you get one experience, and then you yeah. see you see him on stage performed by people like yourself and your colleagues, and you go, oh, you bring it to life in a way on, on in the flesh that it can never come to life on the page. Um, I'm 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 fascinated by the fact that Austin Pendleton had to withdraw from the production and was replaced extraordinarily by Mark Ulrich, and I'm wondering if that sort of switcheroo uh, is part of the fun, part of the electricity of ensemble that you're talking about. Boy, in this case, wonder of wonder and miracle of miracles. And thank God to the theater gods for Mark Ulrich. Yeah. Um, In this case, yeah. yeah. Yeah, in this case, wow. Because, man, I don't. I wasn't sure what the fuck we were going to do, man. I, I, I thought we'd probably have to cancel. Oh. And call all and every comedian, magician, one woman, one man show person, yeah, and go. Will you will you fill some dates? Because we, this part is bigger than Hamlet. Mm-hmm. The line load of this part is ridiculous. You can't. I, I don't know anybody in our company. Anybody? Yeah. I mean, John Malkovich could have said, "I'll be there in a day." Um, I directed it, you know, forty years ago. Um, it would still take longer. It'll. In effective practical terms, it would still take longer than maybe we had. Yeah. And longer than Mark. Now, Mark, John Lister, um, Ricky. Why can't I remember Ricky's last name? Because I'm too old. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, and Mark Kaplan. Um, anyway, the understudies were paid from day one. Yeah, good. And they were in the room from day one and they heard every note and they soaked up everything. And Mark clearly was doing his homework. Yeah. Uh, because he he had one line through, one afternoon run through, and then he was performing. Boom. Wow. In, in a part that's twice as big as anything I've ever tried. Yeah. And and I was like, oh, God bless you, man. Oh, yeah. Jesus. And he's ridiculously good in it. And he only gets better nightly. Sure. Yeah, the two of you, the energy between the two of you was phenomenal. As if you had been, and I saw it a week, 10 days ago. It, it was was like you'd been doing it for a very, very, very long time. It was great. It's so lucky, man. It's so lucky. I'm sure, I don't know. I'm sure different kinds of artists feel this. Maybe jazz people feel this. Like, mm. I never played with you, man. But God damn, this is a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. On the one hand, it's disappointing because, oh, Austin and I were going to do this th- together. On oh, the other no, hand. No, it broke my heart that yeah. we couldn't. But, but, yeah. No, no. Uh, um, uh, it broke my heart that we couldn't. But 
it, to me, it was almost like this miracle happened mm-hmm. versus canceling the whole thing. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Well, and, and and I love that you. This is the theater nerd that I am. I love that you said "Wonder of Wonder, Miracle of Miracles," which is actually quoting Austin Pendleton, who first sang that song on Broadway in Fiddler on the Roof. Austin, I did that consciously. I could pretend that that was just subconscious brilliance, but no, that I was I was going to bring up that, of course, you know, Austin was the first model. That's just me pointing out how brilliant you are. No, no, it's just two old theater geeks. You know, that's all. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, did does No Man's Land it to me, it felt like, oh, that's interesting that Steppenwolf is doing Pinter. I don't know why I thought that. But my wife said, God, I love this. This is exactly why we wanted to move back to Chicago was to see Steppenwolf do plays like this. How does yeah. that feel to you? Does it feel like, yes, this is part of what we do or it's a departure? In uh, Laura, Laura, Laura Glenn, our 30, 40 year veteran, amazing, amazing stage manager. Um, she said, Jeff, you know, this is our most produced playwright. Sam Shepard might be second, but this is this is our most produced playwright through the through the almost 50 years. Wow. Would not have guessed that. Yeah. And it was largely because of the John Malkovich and and somewhat Terry Kinney obsession coming out of college. Okay. And then they spread the infection. And mm-hmm. I ended up I ended up directing a couple. Uh Steve Ike ended up directing one. Yeah. It was, yeah. Um we had a lot of love for that. In fact, we had kind of a United Kingdom, greater United Kingdom Jones. Like a third of our stuff in the first 20 years was English or Irish. Okay. Has it created in you a Jones to keep coming back to Chicago stages and doing more? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was last under Yasin's direction, getting to work with newer ensemble mates, you know, of the five and ten and fifteen year variety versus seven hundred years for me, um, and getting to work with you know Caroline Neff and Namir Smallwood and 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 uh, Cotton Rodriguez and and Sandra Marquez, at where I'd been watching them the last few years. Yeah, and that kind of salivating, going, God, oh, I want to work with him. So I got to do that in, in, in when we opened the space with Yasin's adaptation and direction of of Chekhov Siegel, and that was like 15, 16 months ago. And now this, yeah, and um, and I can't wait to be able to cook up the next one. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing where Jeff shares a pro tip about how to watch Harold Pinter's No Man's Land, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. Harold Pinter's No Man's Land runs at Chicago Steppenwolf Theater through August 20th, 2023. Go to steppenwolf.org for more information. Then send us your menacing silences via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or visit my website, TheShakespeareance.com. You can also follow Steppenwolf Theater on Twitter and Instagram at SteppenwolfTHTR. 
Thanks, as always, to aging poet Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Catherine Whitaker. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to John Mayer, author of the wonderful oral history Steppenwolf Theatre Company of Chicago in their own words, which features a foreword by Jeff Perry. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 870-2610ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. I would say to the audience, guys, Pinter, if you've never dealt with him, just know this. He finds human beings more unknowable than knowable. So you're going to get a lot of possibility of what the heck is going on. You don't have to think the same thing as your neighbor in the audience. It's like a piece of music. You're going to like what you're going to like. That's another thing. The other thing is, at its core, it's not that crazy complicated. He calls it no no man's land because he wrote leads for a couple of really old guys. Yeah. And one of them, whose house it is, and it is his house, and he was a poet, and he made money, and it's played by Jeff Perry, he's stuck. He's stuck in the last chapter of his life, and he doesn't really know how to write, and he doesn't really know how to live, but he doesn't know how long he's going to live, and he's not prone to suicide. So that's a version of No Man's Land. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less.